0: Welcome to the latest episode of Aerospace Radio Station, Extended.
1: But as we want to certify it, we need to put it onto a vehicle to have a project with the FAA, and that vehicle is the Cessna Caravan. So to minimise the, the work that we had to do and uh, the interaction with the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, uh, we've decided to uh, pick our battle, and our battle is, is autonomy. There is no need to go and recertify certify an airframe or power plant, this is already done, let's focus on, on autonomy. Um, so th- that's been a deliberate choice.
0: Extended, your aerospace radio station.
2: Hello there, I'm Peter Johnson, and welcome to the latest episode of Aerospace Radio Station Extended. Today, we've got a really exciting opportunity to look towards the future. I'm joined by Max Gariel, who has a background at NASA, Rockwell Collins, and is the co-founder, president, and chief technology officer. Of X Wing, Max. Welcome to Extended.
1: Hi Peter, thanks for having me.
2: Well, that's quite a CV. Can you just give us a bit of a flavour of the career that you've had in in space and aerospace sector, and what's brought you to the point of being the CTO and president of an organisation like X Wing?
1: Absolutely. So I started my career uh, developing autopilots for larger liners, and that's when I put two and two together that. Not only I knew I loved airplanes, but making them fly themselves was really what it was about for me. Um, Then I came to the U.S. for my master's and PhD in air traffic management, uh, looking at what happens when you put more and more automation into the air traffic management system and things start failing. Uh, What is your backup system? How do you design uh, this air traffic management system such that we can have automation And then when things start failing, we have a backup system, a plan B, plan C, plan D, and we keep on having a really safe uh, transportation system. Uh, At the same time, I was uh, flying, got my private pilot um, license back at Georgia Tech, uh, learning what it means to be a pilot, what it means to fly through the airspace, to talk with air traffic control. Uh, So at that stage, you know, I had a real understanding of what it means to fly as a pilot, what it means to uh, manage the air traffic management system, and also what it means to automate airplanes. So all the three key uh, aspects of of autonomy. After that, I went to uh, MIT for a postdoc uh, to look at collision avoidance using ADSB. So it was back in 2010 when the mandate came live. Um, I mean, came life. The mandate came out uh, for 2020, uh, but like everybody was screaming about uh, the use of ADSB, um, And so I was working at MIT to get uh, algorithms to enhance safety and collision avoidance. Uh, you mentioned my uh, time at NASA. That was during my PhD. I spent quite a bit of time there to uh, look at... Uh, they were sponsoring basically my, my PhD. So that's when I spent time during the summers there. And really? then I went to Rockwell Collins to automate helicopters, uh, going from fully piloted to fully unmanned. Uh, I was in charge of safety and redundancy on the retrofit of helicopters to go um, adding a triplex redundant flight control system. Uh, we were able to go from uh, this piloted aircraft all the way to remote pre-flight engine start, navigation, takeoff, landing, and even landing on the back of a moving truck. Uh, that was to simulate a frigate at sea. I um, understood what it means to um, design a system without a pilot on board. So how, when you uh, create such a system, what are all the assumptions that were made in the past about uh, what is the role of the pilot? Uh, when is the pilot going to take over if something goes wrong? What are all the um, conditions in which the pilot needs to, to intervene? At the same time, I also understood um, what was missing for those projects, those highly automated aircraft to be able to safely navigate the the airspace um, and that was what was really uh, missing is how do you integrate into the airspace how do you talk to our traffic control how do you avoid other airplanes and how do you be a how do you become a nice player with the, the traffic surrounding you um, so that led me um, to to x-wing when I met uh, Mike Pierre the the co-founder and at that point um, we decided to uh, to launch X Wing to to solve that uh, those remaining problems and really bring autonomy to uh, to aviation. So not only to the military but also to uh, to general aviation, uh, with the goal of eventually being able to to transport people on those autonomous vehicles.
2: Wow. I, I've no idea where to start on all of that, Max. That's, that's quite an amazing journey. Um, but I, do, I suppose some questions that, that trigger some, some thoughts. Um, we're working on some, some, some features on the use of data. I mean, in the last decade or two, what sort of changes have you seen that are making the job that you're, you're doing? And we'll come back to X-Wing. Um, how how's that changed in the last decade or two because things that we can do today we couldn't really do a decade or two ago and but it seems like you had the vision then to want to do the things we do today how did you go on that journey
1: yeah so i think what what we've seen and if we go back to 2025 20, years ago um in the past 20 years or so uh mems uh brought the technology of, of uh, the technology of IMUs and uh high precision uh, navigation system to uh, to the market and that's what triggered the drones uh, the small drones and the larger ones also to be um you know um affordable and then over the past 10, 10 years uh we've seen sensors uh, such as lidars uh cameras and all the algorithms in the background really come to um to be affordable and also to have all the compute um, uh, abilities and all the computers, the algorithms to be able to to process those images and those uh, point clouds in, in real time. Um, so between those two things, uh, the time has come where we can have the algorithms, we have the sensors, and we have the knowledge to be able to close uh, close the loop on full yeah. autonomy for airplanes.
2: Okay. So, so let's talk about X-Wing then. You talked about your, your, your co-founder. Um, what's the organization? How did it come about? What are you there to do?
1: Um, so yeah, we started back in, in 2016, uh, growing over the years to, uh, are the, all, all the blocks required to safely integrate into the airspace. So some of those blocks are detect and avoid. So how do you replace the eyes of the pilot when you fly in uh, VMC, visual meteorological conditions, uh, to uh, be able to safely separate from other aircraft? So what sensors do we put on board and algorithms to ensure that the aircraft can safely avoid other airplanes in the, in the airspace? Um, so those were some of the initial work. Uh, then we grew to uh, apply some of this technology to a Cessna caravan. Uh, that's our first application, our first certification project. So back in 2019, we acquired one of those aircraft. We retrofitted. And very quickly, we were able to uh, fly. And within nine months, we are able to do from full takeoff to full landing, uh, understanding what it means to uh, talk to air traffic control, to um Navigate the airport environment, and uh, within um, eighteen months, we are able to remotely operate this aircraft. Uh, so, right. do a full gate-to-gate mission, um, where air traffic control had no idea that they were talking to somebody on the ground instead of talking to the pilot on board the, the aircraft.
2: Now, uh, just so- to just to come back, sorry, just to bring you back, uh-huh. X-wing has its own cargo operations, doesn't it? Traditional cargo operations.
1: Yes. So we operate uh, 35 airplanes, uh, for now for, for UPS. Uh, we do yeah. cargo feeder. Uh, those airplanes are traditional, uh, cargo aircraft operating every morning and every night, uh, to carry, to carry, uh, packages. And the objective of those, um, operations are really twofold. Uh, one is to understand all the things that a pilot does that is not listed in the POH, right? A pilot does a lot more than uh, just flying the aircraft. Yeah. Uh, so you have all this uh, interaction with the air traffic control. Uh, you have uh, interaction with other pilots uh, when you fly through the uh, when you navigate the airport. You avoid obstacles. You decide to reroute. Um, you make decisions in terms of weather, for instance. Uh, so being able to capture all of this knowledge that is not written anywhere. Um, we're doing that uh, with our pilot. so we get uh, forms out uh, so on a daily basis we get information about like the use cases or yeah. uh, special things that the pilot observed that engineers in a you know in the office would not necessarily think about. yeah, and the second aspect of uh, this part one thirty five operations is, Certifying the technology is only half of the uh, the equation. The other half is you need to update your airline. Uh, traditional airlines are all about, you know, you have an airplane, you have a pilot that's certified, you have um, maintenance that's certified, and you have your airline certificate that ties all of this together. Now that the pilot is not on board the aircraft, we need to update this airline. We need to update the training uh, materials. We need to update the mechanic uh, training uh, and we have to update all of our procedures. how are we going to do uh, loading weight and balance uh decision making for who has the final authority over, over the aircraft? So we are updating our airline manuals to be able to reflect all of this uh yeah. the things.
2: and um wing has got some mighty interesting partners on board as well haven't you T- Tell us about some of the partners that are supporting you in this program <laughs>
1: So we have uh we've been working, as I mentioned, with UPS for uh for a number of years um as a provider, but also at exploring how we can uh bring this technology to uh to the market. Uh then we have a number of um avionix or providers um that I will not uh list for now, but we're working closely with a number of uh partners yeah. to, uh, to uh, this technology feasible. Okay.
2: And, uh, you know, if, so, if if people are interested, they can go to your website and, and see some of that. So um, let's talk then, Max, about the whole the X-Wing approach and the model that you're developing. Um, you talk about not having a pilot in the cockpit for the autonomous flight. How are you then – how is the individual or how is the management system – operating. What are the principles behind how it works?
1: Absolutely. So I think I will start with saying that uh, the word autonomy uh, can be used by a lot of people in different ways. Um, And for us at X-Wing, what it means is to decouple the pilots and the airplane. So moving the pilots uh, from the onboard aircraft to becoming a supervisor on the ground. Uh, which means that the aircraft can do all the decision-making on its own. Uh, The aircraft has all the sensors, all the algorithms to be able to safely navigate the airspace. And then we have an an operator who initially will be a fully certified, certificated pilot uh, on the ground, monitoring the flight and uh, providing supervision to this flight. So and it's how operating. do they do
2: that, Max? Do they do that through screens? Is it visual? Is it? I'm just trying to get a feel for Absolutely. how, if I wasn't in that aeroplane, what I'd be looking at.
1: So you'd be looking at a point and click interface. So you have a moving map uh, that shows uh, the status of uh, of the aeroplane. So you know where the aeroplane is. You have the tra- the flight plan of the of the aeroplane. Uh, you see all the traffic that is around based on. Uh, sensors on board the aircraft, but also off board sensors, uh, you have a health status, so you know what, what's going on, uh, but the aircraft's uh, behavior is fully deterministic, so when we start the flight, we know exactly what is going to happen, and the only time when uh, there could be a change is if there is a um, we're in a collision course and the remote operator does not act on time, then the airplane will make a decision to modify its trajectory for collision avoidance, or if um, there is an emergency, for instance, we lose the engine. Uh, at that point, we have algorithms that run continuously to monitor the health of the system, but also where we could be landing. Um, and the aircraft will make a decision to uh, go, land, and glide to one of these uh, oper- uh, airport that is, a- that is available. The remote operator at that point has the ability to modify uh, the destination airport uh, if they have more information than, uh, than the airplane or decide to go someplace else. Uh, but there's no quick decision-making required for the remote operator. Uh, the remote operator is going to be talking to a traffic control, uh, getting the clearance, uh, getting the authorization to enter the runway and to take off, um, and be also have the ability to modify which procedure, which uh, approach uh, we're going to be taking, for instance.
2: Right. It's a, it's a mighty complex piece of technology on quite a traditional aeroplane. It's quite an interesting concept. You know, the caravan. I love the caravan actually. It's such a great aircraft. It's so solid. It's, it's quite basic, but it does a, it does a really good job. And it's quite interesting. You're marrying extremely high spec technology, algorithms, you know, AI and machine learning. With quite a simple aircraft, is is that intentional?
1: Uh, absolutely, I think you know we, we we're not completely crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 know there's a lot to do. Uh, so to be pragmatic, we decided to uh, pick an airplane that um, has been around for a long time, that has a very extremely reliable engine, uh, that. Um, integrates already um, into the airspace that people are familiar with, uh, where the all of the concept of operations are very well understood. So to minimize the the work that we had to do and uh, the interaction with the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, uh, we've decided to uh, pick our battle, and our battle is, is autonomy, right? So there is no need to go and recertify an airframe or power plant. This is already done. Let's focus on on autonomy. Um, so th- that's been a deliberate choice.
2: Okay, that's that's really interesting. Uh, really interesting. Now you mentioned the FAA, um, then, and I know you're working really closely with them and other bodies. T- how are you getting around things like legislation uh, and some of the challenges like that? Because it's not ready yet, is it? Some of the rules and regs.
1: So we we fit. In all of the existing regulations, uh, we're not trying to avoid any existing regulations. Everything that we're proposing, uh, we meet the regulation. Or in some cases, um, we have to ask for an exemption. Uh, But when we ask for an exemption, we're not trying to get around it. We're just saying the the way the rule is written doesn't make sense uh, for us. Uh, We understand the intent of this rule, and here is how we're going to meet it. So we're proposing alternate means of compliance uh, for some of those uh, regulations, or by exemption, um, asking to to do something different. Just to give you an example, one of the uh, regulations is that you need to have a seatbelt on board, and that must be fastened for uh, takeoff, taxing, um, for takeoff and taxing and landing. Um, since we don't have somebody on board, we're asking exemption for, from this rule, right? Um, it's as simple as this. Some other uh, rules is detect and avoid. Uh, we cannot do see and avoid using eyeballs. Uh, so we're asking for an exemption to not yeah. perform with a human eyeball, but to use our sensors to be able to do what is called detect and avoid. Yeah. But otherwise, we fit within all existing regulations.
2: Wow, that's quite imp- that's quite impressive. How, how receptive are some of those rule makers? And I can say this, probably you can't, but... Traditionally, um, organizations like the FAA have been a little slow to adopt new ways of working. How are you finding working with um, those organizations to change the, this is changing the face of aviation?
1: Yeah, I think we've had um, a really good reception at the beginning. uh, I think it was a bit um, maybe overwhelming for, for some people, so we had to adapt Um, our strategy to understand um, how to fit within the regulations. But once you do that and you explain that we're taking a very uh, safe approach, that we are meeting the regulations and explaining which regulations we meet, how we meet them, then explain the safety process that goes into it, um, that we follow every uh, typical aerospace safety um, uh, methodology, uh, such as building fault trees, uh, failure, uh, functional hazard assessment, and so on and so forth. Uh, so that really, uh, this transparency has been uh, critical in easing into those discussions. Um, we have weekly meetings uh, that are moving at a really good pace where the regulator understand more and more what we do. And by having this uh, simple aircraft, it puts them at ease where they know that um, you know, it's a simple project on the modification of the aircraft. And then we can really be focused on the novel pieces, how we're we going to solve the they avoid, how we're we going to taxi safely. And in some places, uh, how we're we going to certify the AI piece of the, of the puzzle.
2: Right. Okay. Um, before I come on to um, where we are on the journey, let me just take the point about safety. You've mentioned it a few times. You talked about Uh, Engine failure uh, and things like that. That's got to be, I suppose, a big concern. Whilst you can't mitigate every risk known to the aviation sector, how's X Wing going about mitigating as many of those risks as possible?
1: Again, uh, I think a lot of it comes through uh, leveraging the experience that um, our airline and our pilots have. Uh, So by building all those cases and experience like leveraging um, all of our pilots, uh, getting this report to understand all the things that are not in the POH, um, all these typical use cases. So we're going to cover as many of those corner cases as possible. Um, The airplane is able to go through all the POH and do every single emergency procedure. Um, And then it's, uh, so this is to ensure that we have, all the right pieces on board. And then also, uh, in the case of engine failure, for instance, we have a list of um, landing sites, uh, so that's south with airports, uh, that are sorted by runway length, uh, emergency services. Um, and then, as we fly part 135 routes, um, we can survey uh, the route and pick alternate landing sites that we can also sort in order of where we want uh, to go and put the airplane if we cannot reach um if a um an airport so it's really about having a plan a plan b plan c plan d plan e uh to really yeah. uh, cover all the other all cases right okay,
2: so where are we on the on on the journey you know the product is it's called super pilot i believe the, the, you you've named yes. it now
1: so this is the the name that we we've given to this suite of technologies um used to make an airplane autonomous. Um, we, uh, um, the technology is mostly aircraft agnostic, uh, meaning that most of it doesn't really care what airplane it's flying. It needs to know a little bit about it, right? What kind of performance you can expect? What is your climb rate? How fast can you descend? What is uh, maximum altitude? Um, but most of it really doesn't really, really care. But as we want to certify it, we need to put it onto a vehicle to have a project with the FAA. And that vehicle is the Cessna Caravan. So earlier this year, we submitted our uh, project specific certification plan, which is the initial document that describes what this project is, how we're going to, how we want to certify it uh, to the FAA. And to this date, I believe we are the first and only company submitting um, a certification plan for full and un- fully uncrewed aircraft. Um, so as you, you said earlier, like, the uh took a bit of time to uh, to receive it, but now it's moving at a really nice, uh, really nice pace.
0: Did you know that during the Falklands War in 1982, there was a plan to put the Black Buck raids on steroids by sending an Avro Vulcan to bomb airfield targets on mainland Argentina, potentially returning to RAF Waddington the long way round via Chile, Easter Island, Tahiti, Hawaii, the USA and Canada? Did you also know that during the Second World War, a proposal was made to build B-29 superfortresses in the UK, powered by Bristol Centaurus engines? If your answers to the above are yes, you're probably a regular reader of The Aviation Historian, the quarterly journal, print and digital, that explores the less well-trodden paths of flying history. If your answers are no, visit theaviationhistorian.com and see what you're missing. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran from Plane Crazy Down Under. And you're listening to Extended. And in
2: 2021, we saw the first flight the first cargo flight didn't we that's quite that was quite a milestone uh i would have thought in seeing that happen uh it seamlessly um from from an external perspective appeared to all go very well um where are we now on the journey
1: so we've we've made a lot of progress over the past two years so if you're right like when we got this first flight um you know it all looks uh Seamless from the outside, from the inside. Obviously, it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, the team did uh, tremendous yeah. um, efforts and uh, design work, uh, safety analysis to, to get to that point. Uh, being on the airplane for those pl- flights is actually uh, so rewarding because you see all the work that have been done on computers, uh, on spreadsheets come together. So that it's, this is so good. Uh, and since then, it's been a lot of um, robustness testing to expanding the envelope. Um looking at new use cases, uh, but also a lot on the certification side, uh, going from a prototype where we understand what it means to do it to um, addressing all of the certification aspects. So uh, building the redundancy, uh, building the safety case, uh, building the fault trees, uh, doing all the design work, all the substantiation, substantiate, substanti-
2: Substantiation. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, so, and getting to this uh, PSCP that we submitted earlier this year. Uh, so, over right. the past few years, it's been a lot of work days, not as visible because um, it doesn't change how the airplane flies, uh, but it's uh, to demonstrate that it is safe and that we can uh, certify it.
2: And you fly um, a lot of these flights with a safety pilot, don't you?
1: Yes. So, Uh, We currently have a safety pilot because our system doesn't have the prototype system doesn't have all the redundancy that we want um, and that we will have in the in the final system. So um, that also allows us to fly uh, in non-segregated airspace so we can fly at our controlled airport here in Concord or we can go to other places in uncontrolled airports and really test our system without uh, the need uh, for restriction around where we fly
2: so um so on those flights max so you um is it is it in effect is this a system live and that safety pilot is sitting there hands off just literally and monitoring the inside of the the aircraft does it look the same i'm trying to picture what the inside of this aircraft looks like i haven't seen a a picture of it is it heavily modified does he just intervene if he needs to
1: so, if you look at the airplane from the outside, uh, what you're going to see are more sensors, uh, especially under the wings, where you can see some of the uh, radars, cameras, LIDARs that we have installed. And from the inside, there's really not much difference. Um, our system integrates, uh, we try to uh, put it away from the main cabin so that we keep the cargo space available for our customers. Um, but the safety pilot mainly uh, sits and monitors the. Um, monitors the system. Um, But typically, they would engage the system at the beginning. Uh, Then our remote operator is going to talk to air traffic control to get our taxi clearance. Uh, That operator will input the letters of uh, the taxiways to follow. Uh, The flight plan will be um, put into the aircraft. The aircraft will start taxiing, uh, monitoring for traffic, monitoring for objects on the ground. Um waits until it's clear to get onto the runway, to close the runway. The remote operator will clear that airplane to uh get onto the runway for instance, then the airplane will take off on its own. Uh the operator just um uh, monitoring but um really not much to do. Um and then same thing when you land. Uh, the system, as we approach for landing, uh, does a number of uh, system checks and announces that all the checks have passed to both the safety pilot on board and also to the remote operator. And then the airplane lands and taxis back. So the right. most of the flights, um, or I, or like, all the flights when the system is engaged, the operator doesn't do anything. Oh, uh, sorry. Right. The safety pilot doesn't do anything.
2: Yeah. No, I understand. Understand. Um, and just one other question on the, and on the, on the engineering i suppose um how does the system physically engage with the aircraft is there a system of motors uh, pressure pads how does that how does that work
1: we use uh servo motors uh, servos similar to the servos you would have for a typical autopilot
2: right okay and does that, and then- um do you need separate certification for that element of the flight as well
1: Yes so every single piece of equipment uh that we are adding onto the uh the aircraft needs to be certified hmm. so yes that okay. that includes all the servos all the electronics uh the computers the software
2: okay so um so where are we today what's what at what point in a project are we now what where are we where are we going what's next
1: so we are In the midst of our certification project, uh, so we're doing all the um, systems engineering, safety engineering, design work uh, to substantiate um, our project. Um, So this is going to take a few years to get to completion. At the same time, um, we're at a point where the technology uh, is mature enough so that we can uh, start porting it to other uh, types of vehicles. So we're in discussion with um, other OEMs to bring this technology uh, to their vehicle. Since we have kind of a blueprint on how we're going to certify, now it's a matter of uh, making it accessible to other people.
2: Right. Okay. Okay. I, I understand. Um, and um some challenges then and 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 some of the thinking that's out there looking on the outside in how how are you st- how are you stepping up and comparing to some of the larger eVTOL and drone type operators uh, the journey you're on sounds very different but for, for externally people will say well it's just another drone isn't it
1: yeah, so I think the, the large EV tools, uh, the one who want to carry uh, passengers, are starting with the with pilots uh, for most of them. And the reason is they have to certify their airframe. They have to certify the batteries, the motors. So they already have a lot of work uh, to do. Um, we decided to focus on autonomy, as I was describing earlier. And hmm. now we're getting to a point where both uh, have made a lot of progress. It's a time. It's a good time to start uh, putting the two, uh, the two together. Uh, so it's a really exciting time uh, for both the EV toll OEMs and, and ourselves, where uh, we can start. We can start looking at how do you make those EV tolls um, for the autonomous. One of the key benefits that I see uh, for those vehicles to be autonomous is the ability to optimize battery usage. Uh, by being autonomous, uh, you can control, you ha- can have a much uh, better control over your trajectory. Yeah. And therefore how you discharge, uh, the batteries and how you operate the, uh, the vehicle. And yeah. therefore saving, you know, a few percent at every flight, uh, but w- which means a lot in terms of overall life cycle of the batteries.
2: Yeah. And, um, as this project moves forward, is there any intention to move from cargo to passenger flight or is that? still something a little bit in the future
1: eventually this is where we we want to be uh we you know we have a lot of work to do on the cargo side uh, lots of opportunities so we're going to remain focused here uh, again to be uh, very pragmatic right uh, it's yeah. easier to use cargo not in terms of safety because in terms of safety it doesn't matter in terms of uh, perception, like people are more at ease if we're flying cargo than, than passengers. So,
2: that was my next question. My next question was the world's a very cynical place, of course, uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty about the, the, the future and the way autonomy is changing uh, the way we live our lives. You know, we've had the whole uh, challenge of autonomous cars, which most members of the public want, but can't get their heads around in terms of if there's an accident, you know, is, it, um, is there a robot under the bonnet? Um, how, do you, how do you answer some of those questions, for example, uh, about the potential for this, destroying those traditional models of flight? You know, we won't need pilots, so therefore the pilot shortage won't exist.
1: So I, I think um, in terms of jobs, uh, this is going to change actually the life of a lot of people uh, by bring bring aviation to uh, all the small communities, to all the small airports. Um, you can really create actually a lot of jobs. We are not getting rid of pilots, right? We are just moving them from being on board the aircraft to be, to being on the ground, initially right. operating one aircraft at a time to eventually operating many, many airplanes. And these are smaller airplanes. So the number of jobs is actually going to be growing. We also need mechanics. Uh, we need people to load the aircraft, to unload the aircraft. Uh, you need people to maintain, uh, to operate also at a, you know, a, as an airline. So it's really like, Building and creating an entire industry around all this uh around this new mod- mode of transportation yeah um and also you you're making aviation accessible and piloting accessible to pilot to people who currently cannot uh be in the uh the left seat because of uh, medical reasons uh most of the time right
2: yeah
1: um so Lots of people were or want to be pilots, but cannot because of physical reasons. And now they can uh, become operators of these vehicles.
2: Right. Okay. Now we've been talking about civilian flight and I don't want you to to, uh, stray into any areas that might be too challenging. But is there military interest in this? Because for me, this sounds like a perfect application for the military environment.
1: Absolutely. And I, that's that's a place where we're also uh, involved is uh, understanding what the needs and desires of the military are. Uh, there are a uh, number of projects, halfworks um, Autonomy Prime, for instance, uh, who is looking into this, as well as uh, other projects. Uh, so yes, lots of applications there.
2: Yeah. And um, um, we've talked a lot about... Um... The technology, and and there's also massive amounts of data probably that you're using, that you're storing, that you're moving around. How how are you doing some of that? You must be using some seriously powerful technology. There must be so much learning going on. How do you harness all that data?
1: Absolutely. So there's a lot of, um, as you said, data being generated. And also what we're trying to be – very careful about how we use some of those algorithms in terms of machine learning for instance. Um, we are limiting the use of machine learning to places where traditional methods cannot be used. Uh, so we're not trying to reinvent the wheel um, and use AI or machine learning where uh, existing methods work really well and have been proven. So as mm-hmm. we collect the data, it's really about um Using this portion of the data that is relevant to the um, application that we are, uh, that we need. And we can talk about those applications. Uh, But as we fly, we collect the data. The data is downloaded and then uh, done to our servers and then goes through a pipeline to extract the right information and to be then annotated as needed or automatically annotated uh, to to be used for machine learning algorithms. So it's a a lot of work. It's a pipeline to uh, manage this data, to label it, and to be able to track it also. As we think about certifying some of this AI, um, a key piece of it will be how do you demonstrate um, that you've done the learning into a... um, A safe way that you have not uh, polluted your data sets by using the same image for training as for validation. Uh, So creating processes around uh, the learning and the validation of the algorithms uh, to, to demonstrate that we can safely use them.
2: Yeah, wow, wow, wow. So what's the future look like, Max? You must be really excited about how far on this journey you've come. Um, There must be so much more still to do. But how do you see the future for autonomous flight and particularly for X-Wing?
1: So I see the future as many uh, initially uh, smaller airplanes flying around, carrying cargo or running missions in terms of maybe Uh, you know, pipeline monitoring or even firefighting. That's a place where um, I -hmm. see a tremendous amount of uh, potential for for this technology where, uh, you know, for operations where humans, um, where we don't want to put pilots at risk, for instance, uh, where we can go and operate in a much more dangerous environment. Um, So I see our application being the first of, of many, um, I see that we're going to um, gain confidence and trust in those systems. And then it will expand to um, all all phases of of flight. Uh, j- just to give you an example, we're talking about self-driving cars. So I live in San Francisco. Yeah. We have waymos and Cruises like all over the place. And my kids are um, not in age of getting into those cars. I, I myself, I told them, and one of them, she's twelve, and she's counting the days until she's thirteen to be able to uh, get a ride into one of those cars. Right? They're right. so excited about it, and they have no concern, just because they have seen how they behave and how they they operate. Uh, they're getting to to trust them.
2: Yep. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, the younger generations are coming through in a very different way. They've got a different view on life and it's not built on some of our historical belief systems. It's really interesting how the future's evolving. I've got a 12 year old daughter as well. I, I, I totally understand. She's got an attention span of 15 seconds. Uh, and I just can't get my head uh, around that, but that's the future. You know, that's the way, um, the world is evolving.
1: Yep. And a lot of the uh, concern that, um, people had, especially in aviation, right? Um, people who have been flying, pilots who have been flying for, for decades, um, they have all those war stories about, uh, all those failures. Um, but many of them have been due to, um, all the equipment, uh, that was failing yep. and the way uh, system were, w- were installed and, um, and over time, if you don 't have the exposure to the new systems that are a lot more, that are a lot more reliable and designed with the right level of redundancy, then you don't necessarily can relate to some of this uh, this new technology
2: yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand and then one final question then Max, have you lost your passion for flying? Do you still have that young boy's energy for flight
1: I do and I'm actually in the uh, the process of getting my instrument flight uh, Rating, so I'm excited about it uh, it's been actually fascinating to uh, understand further what it takes to uh, to enter yeah. into the aspect right what are yeah. all the challenges that um, that we have to solve and also it's um, you know, just to give you another example I started like I did my first few lesson on a, a steam gauges um, or six-pack uh, aircraft and then I went to the g1000 and Right after that, like I'm never gonna fly IFR with a six a six pack. It's <laughs> way, too, way too much work, right? Yeah. Like my, my level of admiration for the people who can do it just went to the roof. Okay. Um, but then also told me like, well, I can do. We can do so much better than yeah uh, this uh, interface on board the aircraft with the technology we have, and the proof is. We can um I can operate or assist my caravan from the ground uh with just a few clicks, even though I don't have any hour on on yeah. the caravan as a as a pilot right yeah. you don't need to be able to uh to fly it's all about the aeronautical decision making and understanding what it means, how do you talk to people what are the consequences of what you're gonna you're going to be doing uh, but otherwise your brain can be focused on this decision-making and not on the uh, IV-8 portion of the flight.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating stuff, Max. It's really, really interesting to see what you're doing with X-Wing. Um, where can we find X-Wing um, online? Are you on social media? Where's your website?
1: Uh, our website, xwing.com. Um has uh, the information uh, about our, our project. Also, uh, we have a number of videos. So we have a YouTube channel and uh, we post regular updates on uh, LinkedIn mostly.
2: Right. Okay. So we'll put links to those in um, in the show notes as well. Um, so that's it. We'd like to thank Whitehearts as well as the extended family of supporters, including the Aviation Historian and Simon Jakubowski. We're really, really keen to hear your comments and feedback on X-Wing. So do contact us on social media and anything that you want to ask, we'll pass on to Max and the team there if uh, if you want to get some feedback. You can find me on Twitter and you can find Tim Gareth and Ellie on twitter facebook threads and instagram of course and that's it with the arrival of the music it's goodbye from max
1: thank you peter it was a pleasure thanks for having me
2: and it's goodbye from me peter johnson remember stay tuned to this frequency that is of course aerospace radio station extended legal policy and use of our material can be found on our website please do ask before using anything you hear. the program's produced with a creative commons license
0: please leave us a review wherever you play your podcast it genuinely helps grow our program and broaden its reach you can also review the program and leave us feedback on our facebook page we'd love to hear from you if you want to email us our email address is get at aviationextended.co.uk and remember there's no e at the beginning of extended
2: from across the globe from the center of aerospace and now to you
0: the Royal Aeronautical Society is the world's only professional body dedicated to the entire aerospace community established in 1866 to further the art science and engineering of aeronautics the society has remained at the forefront of developments in aerospace visit www.aerosociety.com extend it <laughs> This is XTP Media.